A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello and welcome to the NXT preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the Dudley Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick to look ahead to tonight's episode of NXT. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review NXT, but also Raw, SmackDown, AW Dynamite, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Hamlet and Sidgwick to look ahead to NXT tonight and all the fallout from TakeOver in your house. Haven't had a chance to chat to you about it, actually, Hamlet. What did you make of Sunday's pay-per-view? Rubbish, man. Absolutely rubbish. Like, drab. Um, like, the work was good in places like, like acceptable pro wrestling in the six-man and the women's title match, but never in a way that, like, altered or informed the drama of the result, of which there was none. The whole show was bereft of drama, actually. That was like my biggest problem. That's why I felt so bored, ultimately. Boring was the takeaway, because at no point did I feel particularly energised by the show, um, nor apparently did the crowd. Like, Christ yeah. almighty, like what an indictment that was. Like, I, I, I did appreciate, I guess, that they were following some sort of protocols by having, every time I looked, they appeared to be masks. And maybe wearing a mask has something to do with how enthusiastic you can really get because there's this constant reminder, literally millimetres in front of your face, as to what's still going on. Maybe like, but then they're in Florida. So, ah, because... That's the exact same thing. They're the most insane ones anyway. That's how you get 5,000 people in Daly's Place or whatever. Like the the ones that theoretically the world is told care the least about this sort of thing. So I couldn't get over like... Like I say, maybe that was something to do with like protocol or whatever, but just uh, like you might as well have not had a crowd in there for all the noise they brought. Um, just like mid card stuff that was like really circling toilet bowl of all takeovers, probably like top five, like all time worst takeovers. I'm sat watching that like miserable ladder match, and it was like a couple of decent spots, but like what a bunch of wasted bumps those were. Um, for a match that could neither live up to its potential as like hard working ladder match because we've seen a billion of them or comedy because there was only like one or two spots that seemed to satisfy that part of the story. Main event was rubbish because like, yeah, there was like a couple of nice near falls well built to, but you shouldn't have so many people putting their backs out to try and get this Karen Cross gimmick wrestler over in the first place. 
just like push the right wrestlers and then you don't need to have them putting their backs out to like push the wrong one. No, almost no use to the nostalgia other than the intro, which was amazing. The introduction video with Todd voicing it all over was fantastic. And then they've accidentally, like by doing something that they think is charming and cute and nighties, all they've done is remind you that it's better than their current production style. So it was like, oh, I wish like every takeover started like that. Um, Todd was great and they misused him. There weren't anywhere near enough good Todd Pettingale segments. I a really, really crap time in your house was really rubbish. Like a good way for the crowdless takeovers to disappear because like it's hopefully going to build this bridge between that and the first one with crowds back has been light years apart. Uh, you know, Dave reported on Observer Radio the other day. Oh, God, go on. Next one is scheduled for the CWC. Oh, Jesus Christ. It's the worst venue in pandemic wrestling. It's worse than the Thunderdome. I hate it, man. I to me, it. at least the Thunderdome is bright. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the CWC is so oppressively intense and dank. Um... I don't know why they're still doing the CWC. Maybe they're just worried that it'll not draw. And it's either they can work it as our full sales, our hub. Can't leave full sale. Can't leave you behind. I mean, what if we could sell out 10,000 every week, but would never, ever leave you behind, even if we could do that. So it's one of those where I think they've got the excuse to do it at CWC slash performance center because they know they're going to get it packed out every time. But if they go on the road, like you're just not going to see a WWE presentation that doesn't look like it's in an identical basketball-sized arena. You're just not going to see it. They could do some of the dynamite venues with like a hot product. Like, for example, they could have done it in late 2019. Mm. But they don't want it to not look enormous, even though half fans are blacked out in the old takeovers. But that's just me being cynical. I'm sure they're probably- going to sell tickets. <laughs> There's probably a compromise, isn't there? Because like... Evolution was in that venue where, where it was originally planned to be a house show and it just felt like the fans were completely on top of the ring the whole night and that was awesome. Great. That, every time, yeah. Like every time... Hasn't been evolution? Hmm, pardon? There hasn't been another Evolution? No, that's true, yeah. Every time they like televise those house shows at the network, they look far more refreshing than WWE TV because you're so used to the layout of everything. There is... They won't find it, but there's probably a compromise for like those sort of two, three thousand seater venues and this rank, awful, like... To go to the Hammerstein? Yeah, like, this is so painful. Like that, I tweeted about this yesterday, like that in awful logo, like the CWC is so painfully Triple H and there's always too much Triple H on NXT, even when he's not got his face on the show. There's always too much. You can just feel it breathing through the show. So it'd be nice to get away from some of that. Uh, we'll talk more uh, about the fallout from uh, from Takeover as we as we look ahead to tonight's show. Of course, in terms of what's next for the the champions and some of the challengers. Uh, but the big takeaway, I suppose, Hamlet from from Takeover in your house is the surreal ending we got with, you know, possibly William Regal suggesting he could leave NXT. Is he finished as NXT GM in your eyes? Are we are we looking ahead to potentially, judging by the rumours, Samoa Joe coming in? Uh, yeah, possibly finished as GM. Um, I, I, the admin of it doesn't really interest me. Whether or not he's no longer going to be general manager or he has Samoa Joe's his head of security, or like however it is that they choose to phrase it, I'm not too bothered. Like people toasting William Regal as like this this best authority figure, like that's a contradiction in terms, really. Like Regal was a, at one point a decent authority figure on a, on a really good product, and he didn't kind of like overwhelm it with his presence. Uh, like I like William Regal as much as an X man, but like I won't. My heart won't break terribly if he's replaced as a GM and it's somebody different cutting the 
like mom and dad promos that he's been doing lately over over the NXT kids. I'd rather scale back the role, to be honest. So if Samoa Joe does come in, which is interesting, like Joe in that spot is interesting. It's a unique thing for him that he's never done before. Um, there's probably the tease of the odd match or the odd bit of physical interaction with you know the guy that pisses him off that much, which like you can do sparingly every now and then. Um, I quite like that. So if, if all these rumours be believed and like Joe's coming back in any day now, I think it's a kind of ideal role for him because one of the best things you're going to get from Joe now is like the novelty of him wrestling. I think as a weekly wrestler, he was feeling pretty finished. I, I love Samoa Joe, but like injuries are piling up. He was having to temper his style to fit WWE anyway. Um, so he's the very occasional wrestler that just is a very believable figure of occasional authority. Samoa Joe's sort of perfect. So I want more on William Regal's exit. And if nothing else, like they've sort of just about justified maybe popping a bit of a number. People quite like this sort of stuff as a reason to tune in. And they've done a lot of these things lately. It's NXT, so it's on the nose. But you know when like somebody's entering, like they did it at TakeOver actually with Gargano, and I think it was Shotzi um, at the time, but where a wrestler is entering and there's just fighting going on. And it's not Regal trying to separate it particularly. It's just the fact that there's so much fighting going on that even when a wrestler's trying to get to the ring, they're having to brush past fights. They've built that into NXT over about the last month or so. So whilst I didn't think In Your House was particularly any more chaotic than any other week yeah. in the NXT car park, Regal sort of just distress over it all. Like I was willing to buy it. I was willing to believe it at least. I hate the implication that they are children who are out of control and need to be disciplined. Mm. They're grown men and women. Like, oh, but wouldn't you break up the fight? Don't book loads of tacked on brawls to try and pop a number by getting some more Joe to replace William Regal. I like Joe more than like Regal, like as a wrestler, as someone who I've got memories of that I've just loved watching him. But I just hate authority figures. I could have Kenny Omega as an authority figure and I wouldn't like it. Mm. Very intriguing to see how they present it tonight. And, uh, and you like to say, if we, if we just have a, a void that needs to be filled by Samojo, whether he just arrives uh, tonight to replace William Regal. But uh, yeah, he's talking a lot about changes that need to be made with NXT. Um, in terms of changes, Sige, we talked about this on the review of In Your House. Who on earth challenges Karrion Cross next? He sort of defeated everyone, didn't he? Or are they going to use Hamlet's excuse, as in the excuse that, not Hamlet's excuse that he uses, but in what he suggested that they may say of, well, none of us really lost because Kyle O'Reilly didn't submit. He just passed out and everyone else wasn't involved in the decision. One more thing on the dual thing. It would have been so much funnier if it was Undertaker. There was rumours and Triple H said as much, like, we what? want him we want him around. Uh, you might see more of The Undertaker taking on a role at Performance Center or something like that. Can you imagine The Undertaker in full gimmick being the NXT general manager? <laughs> God, I'd think it was hilarious. But on to your actual question, Wilborn. The concern here, right, for me, and obviously it's not going to be next, because my concern is that they are doing the scenic route with Kyle O'Reilly, and it's going to be so painfully NXT that it's simply not going to work. I think they're going to try and follow the Gargano route where he loses, he loses, and he loses. And he loses virtually every big match. Not enough. Oh, he wins. And 
ultimately, by the time they tell the story of, oh, Kyle O'Reilly's been beaten by former champions, he's been beaten by across himself, can he possibly do it? And when he does do it, it's like, right, okay, well, we've kind of just considered you a loser the whole time. So that is my concern about the long, long, long-term booking direction of this company. I thought it was very telling that Kyle O'Reilly did the job without doing the Austin finish, I guess. That's not going to make me really get behind him. Like, it's just, it just isn't. And I think NXT's done this kind of storytelling before. In the interim, it really jumped out to me. There was a lot going on in that main event, which I was amused by as much as I was entertained by. Just the sheer plate spinning and rock up a mountain effort to try and get Karrion Cross involved in something in the orbit of four stars to me was just unbelievably hilarious. It stood out to me within that match and given what he's been talking about in his promos before, and this is ratings poison, if you ask me, not that Pete Dunne isn't totally talented, but I'm thinking it's Pete Dunne. Um, Gargano, maybe because they've built that as more of a personal conflict, but in terms of who stood up to Cross, who was the guy who shrugged at his presence when everyone else was desperate to get him away um, and subdue him, down him long enough, I thought I'd enjoy that one. Um, to basically have a match around the fact that he wasn't going to be in it to inevitably win it. Um, so I think Pete Dunne's character work in that match was an indication that that is the next singles program. Yeah, cross rolling over the rest of the division um, does kind of leave us in a situation now where, like, none of them will feel uh, like believable contenders. Done. And I agree with Cedric, by the way, because I thought that spot was one of the like more memorable and artful, like in-character ones of a match that ultimately just took an NXT style. Like Gargano and Cole in particular seem to like work really, really hard at it. But you could have also you could have given like O'Reilly some of Gargano's spots and Cole some of Gargano's, and it wouldn't have really made a difference who was in there. They were just there, like Dunn showed enough personality that I feel like they will go to him and cross. Probably not for takeover, but for one of the TV cycles, maybe three mm. weeks time or something. Um, but that's one of our regular punchlines, isn't it? Pete Dunn loses, gets singles title match. That's been his booking all year. <laughs> and I just, I can't fathom how we're coming out of a, a takeover main event like that, and, and that's what's next. Um, and it's not exciting. The, the chase for the title is just not exciting. Adam Cole, when he returned the other week, and you, you ultimately had the setup stuff for the five way. I think I was pretty kind to that because I had just had more interest in it than I did Gargano and crossing the singles match. Mm. Um, but it wasn't, a, especially with the booking on Sunday, it wasn't a long-term solution. It was a, it was a quick fix to get the exact match we got. It doesn't get us out of this, like carrying, it doesn't fix the carrying cross problem. It just fixed it on the night. And they're going to keep, I just think they're going to keep running into this same issue. Yeah. It's, it's, uh... They've got a hell of a job on their hands, like you say, to present it like, well, you couldn't get the job done when there was four of you all teaming up and Adam Cole and Carter already putting their differences to one side to power bombing through a table. But now, one-on-one, who knows what could happen? I, it's a real, real hard sell. So instead, let's talk about the women's title picture. Like you say, a really enjoyable match between Ember Moon and Raquel Gonzalez, but a definitive victor, although interference from Dakota Kai potentially could suggest, I don't know, maybe Shotzi's next for Raquel Gonzalez. Not, not necessarily at the next takeover, but yeah, the, the mad bump she's willing to take. Sadistically, I'm really looking forward to that potential match. 
Yeah, I, I feel like we called this in the build-up to the Ember Moon match, and I, I do quite like where it goes. Um, there's a bit of there's a bit of reheated interest in one more go at this tag match. Not a lot, but it's just to set up the title match for Shotzi, ultimately. Um, it's okay for Ember to have lost and Shotzi to get the next shot without those falling out with each other. It's one of the few distinctions between NXT and the main roster is that for the most part, people aren't put together just to fall apart. Like Ember Moon and Shotzi Blackheart can be friends and back each other and Ember Moon can like get some measure of revenge in a tag match that ultimately is there to build up Shotzi as a Gonzalez opponent. And as you say, like this is the thing with it. Like I, I thought the match against Ember Moon was, was good, not great. But the cool thing about Gonzalez as a champion is that they did so well in building her up that even though I'm yet to see the evidence of like an awesome Raquel Gonzalez title match, I want to keep watching and hoping to find it because like she seemed to have great chemistry with people she was working with on the way up. They seem to have a good understanding of how to book her and how to play to her strengths. And it is sometimes trickier to book somebody as a champion rather than when they're on the chase. And I think they're going to get there. And I think Shotty is going to be, in the same way that Moon was an improvement on the Mercedes Martinez match, I think Shotty will be another improvement on that because again, it'll just feel different and she's going to, splatter like I'm getting a bit bored of the screens but she'll splatter up against some sort of surface somewhere and Shotzi will donate a body to it and yeah like I think it will work with Gonzalez as a champion long term because I remain interested whenever a sort of fresh pairing reveals itself as I was with Shotzi on Sunday yeah this is absolutely far from ideal but whenever I watch Raquel Gonzalez as NXT women's champion I immediately become more impressed by people who pull off the role of being a champion in pro wrestling. As Samford says, she was so much better, so much more like fearsome. She developed the real aura as someone who was inevitable. Now that it's invincible, it's just not, it's not as good. It just absolutely isn't as good. Um, I don't know what it is. It's just not clicking. In lieu of the blow away match that she can't work, let's instead not do the NXT thing and impose a blow away match on her, but just simply enough find the best dynamic. And as you said, Wilborn, Shotzi Blackheart is possibly the perfect person to make her look like a killer because Shotzi Blackheart will willingly throw herself into the position of being just a victim because she just likes it. Mm. So she's going to, that will resonate more. That thing that she does, like those, I think Wilbur once described it as scorpioned herself. Um, if she's diving at Raquel Gonzalez, it'll make you think, well, she has to do that because Gonzalez is going to win. If Gonzalez can chuck her around and she takes those ridiculous high-angled bumps that she does, it'll look, make her look more like a killer. I think at this point, are you ever going to get an absolute blow-away Raquel Gonzalez to match? I'm not sure. Find the best opponents. Shotzi Blackheart's one of them. A baby face, Candice LeRae, is certainly one of them. Um, yeah, but Shotzi next for me. It makes all the sense. It's done it quite elegantly, and it's a good opponent. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. We'll talk more about the fallout from NXT TakeOver in your house in due course, including what is next for the uh, new million-dollar man. But I suppose a part of the fallout is uh, who faces the tag team champions, MSK retaining alongside Bronson Reed in that winner-take-all six-man at TakeOver. And as a lead-in, my word, what a match we've got to look forward to tonight. The grizzled young veterans versus Champa and Thatcher tornado tag Oh, I can't wait for this, Sige. Yeah, no, it should be class. This should be really, really good. What they've done as well with the build is they've definitively made you actually somehow like Amber and Thatcher. <laughs> and I don't know how a tornado match fits into that because the idea is you kind of want to see one of them get the piss beaten out of them and for Thatcher to just storm in like the actual somehow entertaining man's man he's become. And I still think it'll be great in spite of the fact that I really don't think the stipulation fits these two teams in particular. Um, I don't know who wins this. I think Grizzle Young Veterans have got legs as an actual set of champions. You want more and more promo guys on this show than you're getting. Zach Gibson, at some point, I would like to see him step beyond the one-dimensional. That dimension's great, obviously, but the one-dimensional crowd baiting. I want to tell some more stories on that mic, not just bait crowds. But I think that will come in time when he's allowed to get a proper story to sink his teeth into. I wouldn't mind seeing Thatcher and Champa win this because I like them. And I'd like to see them have a match with MSK because I think it would be fantastic. And more to the point, if MSK beat them, it would really at this point mean something if Thatcher and Champa endorsed them in the aftermath. So that's the route I would take. But um, yeah, this should be wild. It's odd to think of Thatcher in this environment, but I'm open to it. It's a really good kind of unpredictable list because they're both quite overacts and they're both at a certain point where, as you say, we're born like the the next in line to the tag champions, whomever wins, and neither can afford the defeat, but in the good way, in the way that you're tracking the book, and neither of them really can afford this loss. Um, Champion Thatcher's promo was the most entertaining part of a takeover. I can't, they weren't even on the card and they stole it just by like that ridiculous babyface promo they cut together about the awful things they were going to do to the Grizzly Young Vets. Loved it. Um, there was a nice sort of sense that Champer and Thatcher are the old man version of the Grizzled Young Vets. Like this is, you know, they've kind of like, they've got to put them back in a place to teach them some respect. I will miss the Thatcher hot, like what are all these words I'm saying? I will miss the Thatcher hot tag in this match. I, I don't know how this act has come to be in such a way, but I wonder if they'll try and manufacture it. The tornado rules might allow for them to injure Thatcher and have him hobble back out. You know, when it looks like all hope is lost for Champa and um, the Grizzly Young Vets don't need to make the tag. So they're just battering Champa and then Thatcher limps back out. 
Like he already looks knackered when he comes out fresh. Imagine if he's like carrying a bum leg at the same time, like something like that. Like the tornado, the tornado stipulation would allow for that. Really, really get the heat on Champa to the point where if the Grizzly Young Vets are winning, they've basically done it by wrestling half of it as a handicap match and then taking out Thatcher, who tries to return as the hero to save the day. I've talked myself into thinking the Grizzly Young Vets will win this. Um, and maybe that's the that's a compliment to the booking that the like across the daddy divide, there's two viable winners. Like the division's in reasonable health. And I think a lot of it is down to these two teams really, really looking forward to this. And I'm like keen on either to be the next challenger for MSK as well. Like I'm looking forward to the next match, let alone this one. Yeah. I mean, I'm biased, obviously. I want the, the team, the tag team that should be recognized soon as the greatest tag team in all of WWE to win this. But nevertheless, like you say, I would not be disappointed with Champa and Thatcher. And we talked about this before, but the beauty of it is, is because Champa and Thatcher are, yeah, in this, the good guys, but just hard bastards. If you put them against, it's not like, oh, well, MSK have got the titles, so the baby faces can't possibly win the number, this effective number one contenders match. It's like, well, they're not baby faces per se. This isn't like Breezango going up against MSK or, you know, going up against Grizzly and Veterans to face eventually MSK. I could see anything happening. I do really like that idea of injuring Thatcher, of taking him out of it, mainly because I saw uh, that footage from a while back. It made me sad all over again about Shayna Baszler. But when she was in that takeover match and she was pushing her shoulder back in by slamming it into the uh, into the ring post, something like that for Thatcher, just to reiterate, like, yeah, I mean, his arm won't do it. So he's rather than just, you know, him being willing and his body not being able, he's just going to smash his body about until it physically is able. Uh, and like you say, cannot call this, um, but should should unquestionably be match of the night. Although it does have a contender because Kushida is doing his cruiserweight open challenge. And that rarely disappoints Hamlet. Yeah. Um, I think, I could be wrong. I think Sidrick has nailed who this is going to be. So I'll go in a different direction in preparation for what who I believe he's going to say. Um, but the as a result, I've kind of had to look elsewhere for people that might want to answer this week and make it interesting. In the spirit of what we saw on Monday Night Raw, maybe like, Eddie Dennis or Flash Morgan Webster can come from NXT and the commentators cannot know who they are. They're like, who's this strange, mysterious athlete challenging Kushida? I don't know. Um, I was thinking as well, I can't remember what this wrestler's acknowledged weight was, but they have, like, Cedric's news of this takeover being in the CWC over SummerSlam week. It was really depressed me because I was starting to know my fans <laughs> based on the idea they'd be back in a building and things would be nice again. And I started thinking about, depending, like not for this week, but I started thinking about Kushida knocking back a few challenges in these invitationals to build to crowds are back, wild takeover dream match between Kushida and Finn Balor. Because um, I'm assuming Finn Balor's weight is typically announced at around 200 or something like that. They, you know, they could easily say, like getting down to qualify for it, like he's accepting life that he maybe can't handle it at the top of the NXT card, but he's got this like rich history at that as a junior heavyweight and now he wants to win like take Kushida's uh like cruiserweight title but in the meantime yeah I, I can't really I can't really see much um of an angle for him so I'd quite like whoever the the next couple of opponents are over the next couple of weeks to start telling a story again with Kushida I like these matches but mm. there's not a lot at the moment yet to cling to story-wise yeah exactly it's 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 certainly not exactly week-to-week booking in terms of all right here's it's just like we'll just throw this out there someone random will show up and he'll have a banger and then he'll disappear for a couple of weeks 190 pounds uh, according to Wikipedia is Finn Balor's build weight so yeah what's well, got gone 76 
the cruiserweight title in itself makes no sense and when you look speaking of making no sense like there's an open challenge really register as this like oh the whole point of an open challenge is it worked in 2015 wonderfully because ostensibly anyone could do what previously no one was like able to do and that is take John Cena at the limit thrilling what an absolutely awesome angle this was every single week john cena embracing the modern style of pro wrestling match having a banger every week and making you think he was going to do a job to someone like far below his level when he was allergic to it that was great AEW being AEW and having the philosophy at that promotion's heart was allowed to extend the envelopes across what remained of the pandemic-stricken wrestling world. So you got Kingston, you got Starks, they got contracts. My one of my favorite things in pro wrestling that absolutely did not work at all was Cody versus Warhorse. Lo- rubbish match. Loved the fact that it happened. Just they heard on the horizon ground swell of support they thought you know what people are into this let's get them on the show failure a lovely noble failure like nxt cruiserweight title open challenge it's like who's it gonna be like who are people talking about is it, oh who could be next have you seen the state of 205 live <laughs> there is one bright spot on uh 205 live someone who's just weird just just there now, he could be getting it. I think it's a fans thing because he would he's got an entrance that would get over that ticket in Giro. Um Kashida's gimmick, if you can call it that, or like a, a characteristic of his is that he's just a nice bloke who competes honorably and is mate with Bronson Reed, who is very much the same. Kashida, I don't think Giro needs carrying, but like elevating is probably the word. Gets elevated in a nice popular banger and they shake hands after the fact and you meet a new star of NXT potentially. That's what I would do. And it's utterly, utterly process of deduction. Uh, do you want to take a guess at the, according to, again, again according to Wikipedia, build weight of Johnny Gargano? Build weight can be whatever it wants. He's 76. <laughs> what did you I say like, Bala was? 180 pounds or something? Bala was 190, 180. 190. 190 pounds. 190 pounds. I could gimmick that to go over 207. Jesus Christ. Um, I think Johnny Gargano is 178. I'll go 210. They'll bill him over the 205 thing just to get around that issue. Uh, 199 pounds, according to Wikipedia. Yeah. Uh, but I love, yeah, both of those suggestions. Uh, you know, regard, I mean, Kashida could pull a good match out of me, but you know, it's it's the potential there for either of those or someone we haven't even considered is is really, really exciting. Um, um so I'm, my head's gone now because I'm thinking when I was younger, if a team's build weight in WWE used to start with a four, I would resent them for not like being as hard as demolition or the Legion of Doom or whatever. You could put Gargano and Finn Balor together and start with a three. Um Right, let's conclude uh, by looking ahead again to tonight's show off the back of TakeOver in your house. Uh, it's really exciting as well to see what happens with, with Io Shirai off the back of her return, of course, last week. But Hamphlet, what is next for the new million-dollar man, L.A. 
night. We could just promote a show. Not tremendously bothered. And like, I think that's an issue. I wasn't at odds with the result. On There seemed to be a bit of criticism about um, LA Knight winning at TakeOver. I was at odds with the quality of the match. I thought it was rubbish. <laughs> and I think a lot of matches. <laughs> like, I, I, Cameron Grimes tried really hard. Cameron Grimes is awesome in patches. And like, I think he's even better with better opponents as well. So I don't want to be like too harsh on Grimes. LA Knight wasn't great. And it felt like a spot slightly above maybe his level. Um, millions are so weird. The million dollar belt isn't that prestigious. Like they did this strange video package where they had Ted DiBiase narrate over something he bought because he couldn't win the belts that actually mattered. And then they tried to sit like frame it as like an intercontinental title adjacent thing. Yeah, some real workhorses have that. Just more clips of Ted DiBiase because Ted DiBiase Jr. or Virgil couldn't give you them. Like the Steve Austin held Steve Austin back. Like Austin wanted a shot of it as soon as he could. Real workhorses, you know, like giving it to Austin before he actually got over. Like it's it's not got this rich legacy. It's a rich man's trinket. So I'm slightly worried that now um, LA Knight has it and has won it under those circumstances. They're gonna sort of treat it like a sub North American thing. And he's gonna be like, yeah, this is a uh, worked wonders for LA Knight. You can really see that like he's gonna put on a technical. He's gonna beat some jobber or something, but it's gonna be more like a technical masterclass. He's gonna adopt the million dollar dream or something like that. Like they've got to keep this stupid. I'm not that interested, and I'm not that asked to be honest about Cameron Grimes trying to win it anymore either. So it's probably behooves them to just like very very quickly reheat the Cameron Grimes character in a way that like the belt is seen as the trinket that it is rather than a prize. I, like the presentation of it just felt all wrong on the night. Grimes should want that because he's an idiot, not because he thinks it like it's going to elevate him in NXT. <laughs> That's why like LA Knight the same. LA Knight is a heel. Like if he's holding that, he should think that it's worth more than it is. And my worry is they're going to attach genuine value to the thing. My worry about that as well is echoed by just the entire culture of NXT. You saw the photo shoots. Like, I'd be embarrassed. If they're not self-aware enough to be embarrassed, but it was embarrassing to see Michaels and Gargano doing the pose together. It's like, your ratings are in the toilet. Your <laughs> buzz is non-existent. And you think you're there to be celebrated and aspired to. By oh, your talent. Portman's tweet, man. Amazing. Like I, I did eventually see that. I saw it yeah. earlier. Like him putting over Candice LeRae as a baby face, no less. Not in the role that she's in currently saying, I couldn't think of anyone better to wear the one, two, three kid gear. Thank you so much, Candice. You're amazing. It's like a legend like of Sean Waltman's like stature behaving as somebody should when somebody pays tribute to them rather than like triple H and Sean getting in on it with them. Oh, you're nearly as good as us two. <laughs> you don't get that they're the problem. <laughs> creative is absolutely the problem they're going yeah everyone loves us all our, yeah you could be as good as us it's what a pair of utter tossers man I find hilarious and embarrassing but I like schadenfreude um, what was I talking about oh the million dollar title yeah in WWE the past is king it's been like that for quite some time part of me trusts them to grasp that it's a, a heat vehicle that's what it is. You don't deserve to be champion. Okay, we're going to do things that remind you that you don't think we deserve to be champion or I deserve to be champion. And he's going to refuse to defend it. He's going to pick like ham and eggers and insult them. Like this should be a prop. I kind of trust them to get it. But 
what Samflet said is very, very valid. If you watched TakeOver, Cameron Grimes apologised, did he not? Or was that a WWE.com exclusive? It was .com exclusive, yes. He apologised in a .com exclusive. I'm thinking this is a long con. The whole story beat is he's getting outwitted by DBRC every single step of the way. There's a shred of intelligence left in that booking committee or whatever the writer's room, whatever you want to call it. They all realise that the punchline of this is Cameron Grimes is going to attempt to elicit sympathy from DBRC and he's going to win the million dollar title and get the last laugh because he's the baby face and baby faces are meant to be smart. Why do I think that's not going to happen? Mm. I, I'm still into this, I have to say. Um, and I was disappointed, obviously, that, that my guy didn't win the title. But I was also like, you know, there's, there's still scope in this. Uh, whether you want to do... Like tonight, you could do, I don't know, a, a championship celebration for LA night and be completely, you know, OTT with it all. Have some women come, come down and feed him grapes. And he says, cheers, puts And things like that. And what have you... <laughs> Enzo Amore! <laughs> and, then, um, and then you can have maybe uh, Cameron Grimes upset about not winning the title, but doing the whole zombie land. Remember the, the gif of, of him wiping his tears away with, with dollar bills like that, <laughs> like crying in a Ferrari or, or Lambo or whatever it is. And I think, yeah, there's still scope for, for long term where, yeah, he doesn't want the title because it's this prestigious, you know, it's like you say, it's a trinket. And... Maybe even he says, oh, I really want another shot of that. And he says, all right, well, if you win, you win the title. But if I win, you become my manservant. And then you've got that to go along with. And then finally, when you've got crowds back at TakeOver, I don't know, six years from now, by the looks of this with the booking, you can finally give him the title. But uh, I'm still invested in this, I have to say. So I'm intrigued to see uh, what they do with it. And there's a scope for a lot of fun with this, Sige. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's... I don't think it's particularly productive or it's going to generate any kind of buzz, but it's entertaining. Mm, exactly. It's undeniably entertaining. So I will enjoy it for a few minutes a week, baby. <laughs> That's the new tagline for Monday Night Raw. Enjoy no, it. it. <laughs> new tagline for Monday Night Raw is a show that makes me die. <laughs> right. Anyway, this has been <laughs> the NXT. <laughs> this has been the NXT preview. <laughs> Let, let us know your thoughts ahead of tonight's show on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch that you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflet at Michael Hamflet. Follow Michael Sidgwick at M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. As I said, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from. The Daily Wrestling Podcast got the Raw Review available right now. And of course, tomorrow, if you subscribe, you will receive our NXT review as soon as it comes out. But this is the NXT preview. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their Golden Glow body set includes three clinically proven bestsellers for smooth, glowing skin. While the Glow & Go facial set provides spa-level results at home. Both sets come in giftable boxes with savings up to $48 and free shipping for a limited time. For 10% off your first order site-wide, go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM.